0: Good day, fellow hoteliers, and welcome to another episode of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. This is actually episode 232, and I'm your host, Pete DiMeo with Travel Boom. It's going to be a big episode today. We actually have something pretty interesting and pretty scary, to be honest with you. We're going to be talking about OpenAI's ChatGPT that's been hitting the world by storm. It launched in late November of 2022, and already it is changing so many things that we're all doing on a daily basis even if you don't realize what it is just yet. So we'll be talking about that. But since that's such a big topic, I did bring some guests along, which is pretty exciting. We have, first of all, the one, the only, the, the interactive director for the brand agency, Sir Nick McNeil. Hey man, how you doing? Good, good. Since... good, to be
1: here, Pete. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, this is, how many episodes have you been on so far? I think this is three. This is yeah. three, nice. Three Pete, that means you're becoming a pro. Good to be back. That's, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. I'm very glad good to have to you.
0: Nice. But, like I said, this is a big episode. We need even more people and more heavy hitters. So, that's why we have the new business development extraordinary Miss Lady Leanne de Ah, oh, I thought I was going to be the Duchess of Development, but thank you. I could do that, but I know you have a French name, and I didn't know if they had Duchesses or Dutch I. <laughs> I'm not sure what the plural of Duchesses is. But yeah, so we, uh, we, we have you as well. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. So, but, uh, but yeah, so we have a lot, lot to cover. Uh, Leanne is obviously working with our, our clients and whatnot a lot and talking about ChatGPT. Nick, you live this world day in and day out. So I'm sure you have a lot to share with it. But what we'll do is we'll go ahead and kick off the music. And from there, we're going to dive right to the show. So here we go, everybody. All on video, and none of you danced to the music. That was disappointing. <laughs> I want—I want to see some action, you know. So it wasn't exactly around. a dancing beat in our defense. I, I feel that like that's a, that's like just a like a throwdown. Just go crazy for a little bit. That's a headbanging beat, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. <laughs> so, so yeah, we got got a big episode today. If anybody wants to follow along, go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast and click on episode two hundred and thirty two. We have a lot of resources, a lot of links, and graphics that will help understand what ChatGPT is, OpenAI, and the whole concept of artificial intelligence ruling our world and taking us over. So we'll be covering that. But before we do that, we actually have a news item. That means I get to do my little jingle, and then we'll have Nick read us the the news a So here we go. With hotel marketing that cannot lose. Now it's time for Nick McNeil's News Aroos.
1: All right. So, in the news uh, is that Google is going to automatically, and this is, you may see this if you've been in your analytics account uh, this week, you may see a new notice at the top. We've seen the scary notice about July 1st. 2023 for a while, but now that message has been updated. So what Google is now saying is that starting in March 2023, uh, they it, you should create a, a new Google Analytics 4 property, um, or they're going to create one for you based on your original uh, property and then and reusing existing site tags. So what does that mean? Um, we're not sure yet. Uh, it sounds like Google's going to try to automatically move you over. And it's going to bring over, connect your UA to your new GA4 property that they've created for you. And they're going to start doing this in March. So you have a little bit of time, very little bit of time to opt out if you don't want that to happen. February 28th is the date for that opt out. So just be aware of that. We were talking about it internally with our analytics group. And the initial impression was this is great and If there's anyone out there who is just too busy to be bothered by it or doesn't know where to start. This could be a potential, um, a savior in some way that this, you know, the autumn, it gets automatically migrated, but for complex, if you have complex events, goals, set up, things like that, um, uh, we would caution that it could get a little bit messy with an automatic migration. So just something kind of note and think about. Um, if you think if your setup is too complex, then you may be one to opt out before February 28th.
0: So. so Nick, this one's really interesting. And they were recording this is February 2nd. And this today was the first day I saw this message. I don't know that it actually came out. Anytime time before that, but it's interesting because we've actually spent a lot of time migrating clients and getting them set up. The, the metrics, the definitions, terms, and kind of how GA4 works compared to Universal Analytics is very different. So they'll, like Nick, like you said, they'll be able to pull over your basic stuff, but all of those specific events for bookings, conversions, you really have to be very careful with that. Uh, the other thing that makes me wonder is I've always been of the opinion... There's no way Google's going to be able to get this switched over and kill UA in, in July because so many people haven't moved over. And I wasn't expecting them to say, you know what? Screw you. If you haven't done it, we're doing it for you, and this is going to happen. makes me wonder if you know people who haven't heeded our advice earlier and got their stuff migrated over could start looking at losing some significant archival data and year-over-year data when it comes to reporting post-July 1st.
1: Yeah, it's it's been interesting to kind of wait it out. We we were you know making bets internally, jokingly um, uh, that they were actually going to delay it, you know, because Google's famous for everything being two years out, right? And that goalpost keeps moving. Um, so you could delay it for another year if you happen to, if you want to upgrade to Analytics three hundred and sixty. Now they've gotten a full year delay, but for the rest of us, um, July first is the date. So I guess this is the this is the answer to the question is, when will they push it out further? It sounds like they're not. They're going to migrate us instead. Um, so
0: so 360 obviously has more time, uh, but that is no cheap investment for 360. Do you recall what Correct. that is? I think it's north of,
1: uh, uh, I think it's in the six-figure range somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's what I, exactly I was thinking sure. as well. So, see, I think, you know, 99% of the, the folks we're talking to, even people who are, you know, have multiple properties and small flags, in many cases are just using standard GA4 universal analytics. So it's, it's one of those things where if you haven't moved over, really, really take the time and get this done. Uh, and we'll kind of see how it shakes out.
2: So are there any unseen disadvantages to thinking this is a blessing and letting Google do it for you?
1: I, I guess that's unknown since this is so new, this announcement. Um, I think we, we just don't know what that migration is going to be. Like what is the potential to lose things? And I guess the other thing is you have to look at this up or this migration as an opportunity for you to clean things up. So if you've got some legacy things or you know, set up in terms of how your events are structured or your goals are structured, um, you're, this is an opportunity for a fresh start. So, um, which we always encourage. I mean, we have lots of clients with lots, of, you know, at this point, almost a few decades worth of data and, and analytics um, reporting, you know, this is, a, this is a good time to clean some things up. So we definitely encourage that.
0: So what happens, so for instance, when, I'm, when I log into analytics and I'm a, a UA account, even though we've set up, the GA4 account, I still have the message that says I, I, I'll i be migrated over automatically. Is that an issue where they just are showing that message or is that something that I need to be concerned about because I already have my GA4 account set up. Are they going to, to set up another one that's going to become, you know, nightmare in the future?
1: Yeah, that's something we, we have reached out to, to confirm. It looks like it's just a blanket message for everyone because I went through a bunch of... Accounts this morning, and in every case, we already have GA four
0: uh, right. uh, set up.
1: So, and we were still seeing the message across the board. So, I think it's just a blanket message uh, as okay. a reminder.
0: Yeah, and, and Nick, you and I hadn't talked about this before we started recording the podcast, and that's re- reassuring because the first thing I was like, "Oh crap, that means we're going to have to go through, yeah. figure out what that what we did wrong, and reassociate all those accounts back together." But hopefully, that's not going to be the issue. Uh-
1: yeah, Sorry. and I'm I doubt you did anything wrong Pete I'm sure it was perfect yeah.
0: <laughs> oh I do plenty of things wrong you can ask my wife and kids anytime you like though will give you some some tips
1: so so I'm not a Google sp- spokesperson but just kind of uh, just for th- for that point one more time what we looked at today was some that where well, we already had ga4 set up and they were connected because you can connect it to your UA account, right? So we saw in, 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 in every instance, that message was still displaying, whether or not we had those connected or not, whether or not we had GA4 or not. It was all in every instance, it was it just seems like a blanket message.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's the same thing we were seeing as well. So. But what I would say is, what Nick and I are talking about now is decisions that you can make if you're ahead of the, ahead of the curve. If you've got your stuff set up, you can take your time figure this out, make sure everything's tracking properly. My thought is if you just stand back, let Google do its thing, it may work fine, but it's going to compress your time that you can put something in action. Yeah, you, know, you may say, okay, I'm just going to let Google handle it. You find out something's wrong. Are you going to have time to fix those things and address those concerns before you start losing that data that UA has been providing to us? So... That is the news That's gonna be that's a big one, but it pales in comparison to the topic for today, and that's what we're gonna jump into right now. So, episode two thirty two: Will Chat GPT revolutionize hotel marketing, or is it gonna kill us all? That's the question. So, to kind of set everything up here, November twenty two, life was normal. Chat or Open AI, which is a a company that has been invested in heavily by Microsoft and several other companies rolled out its third edition of what they call chat GPT. And that is the most advanced natural language chat system that's powered by AI that the world has ever seen. It is something that is truly revolutionary and something that I believe is going to kind of change everything since November, or really it, it launched at the very end of November. So really since December over the past two months, it has been all over the news. It's been all over any type of marketing blogs and publications, basically tr- where we're trying to figure out what exactly this means. So to kind of take a little step back, what we first have to talk about is actually what ChatGPT is. And the, the way I've probably describe it, is it is a, they call it chat GPT, but it, I think that's kind of a misnomer. It's not a, just a chat system. It is a AI interface that allows anybody to request information and chat GPT returns the response practically instantaneously, way beyond just what you think of a chat bot doing. For instance, in some cases we might say, write a essay on the political causes of the French revolution. And within seconds, it will dump out a thousand plus word article specifically about the French revolution, specifically about political causes of it. And then I can go in and ask it to refine that article. So for instance, if it says, uh, you know, one specific thing about the French revolution that I don't want in my article, I can say, please remove that section and add another one please expand on this section and it uses a threaded communication so you can go back and forth with this ai to create that piece of content and that's just one element of it it's, that's just the the article side we've had people who dump in pieces of code and ask chat gpt to clean up the code it can provide you know restaurant recommendations dining options for you you know, all the way down to its sister product, which is Dolly 2, which is an image creator and can create custom pieces of artwork for you as well. So it does impact everything under the sun. And there's actually a really, really good video. There's a lot of good videos out there, but I have one linked in the show notes where Jordan Peterson goes over the ramifications of what ChatGPT is and how it could affect our world that I would definitely encourage everyone to listen to it's about a five minute video and it is really really well worth it so Nick and Leanne what what do you take from from chat GPT and what it is anything I missed there
2: I think we're going to remember this day somewhere down the road we'll look back and I'll say Pete remember when we were explaining to people what chat GPT is and- now we are going to have to explain how to get out of it. <laughs> no, it's, it, this is monumental. I don't know why it's not the headline on the nightly news every night of the week.
1: I was going to say the same thing. It, um, it, it, the end, we're just still so early. Uh, and to see people in every corner, at least in, in terms of like, you know, technology and like internet circles, um, people talking about it and using it for all the various things Pete listed. Um, we're, People are just scratching the surface and doing some pretty crazy things. I even saw an example this week where someone was asking it, and it said, "Well, that's going to take a that the question is too broad, that the answer will be too lengthy." And so it was insistent that it answer the question. And at the third try, they said, "Okay," and it just spit out the answer. So hmm. um, it's just so interesting to see um, uh, how dynamic those engines are, um, and all the examples that people are showing now are just just. Just insane.
0: So um,
1: we are, I agree, uh, Leanne, going to remember this day.
0: One of the the associations that I heard that is is really probably the best way of looking at it is we may look back at today and this edition of ChatGPT and equate it to the Gutenberg Press Mm -hmm. in terms of what it does for content when I say content, I don't mean necessarily just articles. I mean, any type of content that can be produced and the access to knowledge and the ability to share that knowledge is unprecedented. It's it's incredible.
2: Right. And even people that don't know the term yet, chat, GPT, they've probably seen on their social media, some of these cute little uh, contest type questionnaires where they give you two random tweets and you have to choose which one was the computer generated AI tweet and which was a real person. and 90% 90% of the time, none of us can tell the difference. But this is going to be for everything, not just tweets. It's going to be for five-paragraph essays that kids turn in for their you know, their end-of-semester end of paper. Um, and that's one of the big things right now is how to detect whether or not it was human-generated or AI-generated content.
0: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting part that we'll dive into about how we can figure out you know, how we handle that from a societal perspective, the, the, the ramifications are, are so big. And that's kind of what we're going to go over today is, you know, how we're using it, how it's going to impact the hotel industry specifically, things to watch out for. And then lastly, kind of what's next. You know, so This is the third edition of chat GPT. The first two were mainly internal. They really weren't that, that crazy, but to give you an idea of where you've seen this before, if you've read a Buzzfeed article, very likely that was generated in some form by an AI. Not necessarily this AI, but you know, those little, you know, five top five ways to, you know, keep your shoes from becoming untied. Things like that are, are all very much, you know, AI type generated content. So I mean, you know, I know I have a lot of examples in, in my head, but Nick, how have have you been using this much at all from either a prefer- personal or professional perspective?
1: Most personal. Um, I've been mo- more, I've been paying attention to what tools are, are, are using it behind the scenes. Um, but in my personal use, I, I've done uh, quite a few versions of a kid's story. I was just playing around with it so I could you know, maybe throw a couple crazy ideas at it and see what it generated in terms of stories I could read to my two young kids. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I really, like you were explaining earlier, I can refine that and lengthen the story by adding pieces of it. So um, that's been a really cool thing that I've personally played around with. Um, professionally, I've used it to, to uh, just to see what the results are going to be like when I was working on a proposal. I just kind of threw in a few thoughts in there and it didn't quite line up with. You know what, I was expecting, but it did give me a few things to think about. So, if nothing else, there were a, a few pieces in there that were um, inspirational for me. But I haven't really spent a lot of time generating content. Uh, I've mostly been more interested in um, what tools are using it and what other people's experiments look like.
0: Now, Leanne, our, you're obviously our director of new business. Are all of our new business proposals completely AI generated at this point? And you're just like, I haven't figured off. out how
2: to do that yet. And no. I'll tell you why. <laughs> Some of the some of the times that I've been playing around with ChatGPT, I've asked it questions that it can't answer. Um, I'm a big golf enthusiast, so I've asked it to tell me which members of the PGA have migrated to the Live Tour, and it doesn't know what the Live Tour is. It asks me to explain. So I figure anything I'm talking about currently, it can't it can't help me
0: yet. And, that, and that's true because. The system was disconnected from the internet in 2021. So any okay. data between 2021 and now, the system has no understanding of whatsoever. That's going to change when version four comes out sometime this year, it will have a much more current data set and a much mm-hmm. larger data set. So I think what we're talking about now is the, the beginning of this revolution that we're seeing and it's going to get better. But I know the way that I've used it is, you know, you know, personally it's just fun to to play around with and, you know, more cautioning my kids who are both teenagers. This is not what you use in place of education. This is what you're going to use. If you have to start an article and you need help, it's a resource. It's like Google, but it is not the easy button for producing your French Revolution essay. So I think that's that's one thing there. And I think you know, the other way that I've been using it, you know, on a professional level is coming up with the initial ideas for social posts. You know, a lot of times you sit there with a blank sheet of paper and you need something, some type of catalyst to get your brain thinking about what you want to write about. And it's been pretty effective to say, you know, this is the article that I wrote. You know, I need a Facebook post for this. And it kind of comes up with some ideas. A lot of times they're not in the proper tone. They're not 100% accurate, but it gets my brain saying, oh, okay, yes, that, that's a good angle to go on. That's something to start thinking about. Mm-hmm. So I, we've seen you know, some success there as, as well, just to, like I said, just kind of get your brain thinking about what you want to write about. It gets you over that white sheet block that you have, you don't know where to start with.
2: Sometimes I know what I want to post, but I don't have the proper image. Can
0: it help you with that? Not really. Those images are pretty brutal. If you Have you used uh, Dolly much at all? Um, I think it's interesting what some people
2: are doing where they ask um, ChatGPT to draw me a picture of a cat in the style of Vincent van Gogh. Um, yeah. And it'll have the Starry Night behind it. Like, yeah. ChatGPT knows what you're talking about. Uh, it takes yeah. a while, though.
0: Yeah. Now, so that's not ChatGPT. What is same, that? That's the Dolly. That's Dolly. It's, it's, it's also owned by OpenAI. But it is a different AI. For just so, images? Yeah, so just images. So for instance, okay. uh, you, know, I asked it to draw me a picture of a cat flying a World War I biplane. Mm-hmm. And it says, I can't draw that picture, but I'll write a little description for you. And it's a pretty funny description of, you know, very, you know, very graphic description of, you know, a cat with its aviator goggles on and the wind blowing through its fur you know, fun little description, but it, it won't be able to draw a picture. You have to use Dolly 2 for that. We'll have a link to that as well in the show notes. Can
2: ChadGBT find a stock photo for you? Does it have all the images of the world indexed as well?
0: No. So keep in mind that it is a, uh, it's a Only language Only language. And it cut off in 2021. Okay. So it is not connected to the web. Whatever data set is in there is encapsulated. All of the internet basically... Up to 2021. So let's see. Anything else that you guys use it for currently? Just to entertain my friends. Yeah, it, that it is interesting. My, Great way to neighbor, waste an afternoon. Yeah, my neighbor is a high school principal. And I showed this to him. and He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then uh, about a day or two later, <laughs> they got an email from the district. that, Okay, this is out there. Be careful. Kids, you're going to start writing about it. But the creator ways to detect.
2: the creator says that we're going to have to um, somehow adapt to this like you did when you could bring a calculator watch into the classroom. I don't quite get that analogy, but I guess they figured out ways to test for math anyway.
0: Yeah, and, and there's actually a lot of ways we'll, we'll cover in, in a second about how you can fi- figure out if this is AI-generated content. But I want to talk a little bit about... Now that we kind of understand what ChatGPT is, it can do pretty much any, give it a prompt, it will give you a response. If that response is good, if it's not good, that's up for debate, but it will give you something. So you have to be careful for sure. But there are a lot of ways that hotels can use ChatGPT to make their marketing more effective. With the caveat being, this is an incredibly powerful tool. And, you know, like a table saw, it can cut a perfectly straight line, but it can also cut your thumb off really fast. So just be careful when, when you're using it. And I say the, the first thing that I think from a social a hotel perspective is there's simple social posts that you need help starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one example, and I actually have it you know, in the show notes. <clears throat> excuse me. I said, write a Facebook post for a hotel in Key West, Florida, promoting a book two nights, get one night free sale. The sale ends in five days. Check. Chat- Came back to us and said, attention Key West travelers, are you looking for a fun and affordable getaway? Our hotel in Key West, Florida is excited to announce a special offer. Book two nights and get one night free. This sale ends in just five days, so don't wait to book your stay. Key West is a perfect destination for sun, sand, and relaxation, and our hotel is a perfect place to call home during your visit. With comfortable rooms, great amenities, and prime location, our hotel has everything you need for a memorable getaway. Book now to take advantage of this limited time offer. Hashtag Key West, Florida, hotel sale, travel, vacation.
2: You didn't tell it all those things about the hotel.
0: You just asked for basics. My prompt was write a Facebook post for a hotel in Key West, promoting a book two night, get one night free sale that ends in five days.
2: Uh Uh-huh. So basically, it also gave you an example of all of the just standard adjectives that every hotel throws into ad copy. So that was a good example of how not to let it sound.
0: Well, so, so that's interesting, right? So like All I said, right. it, it's a great tool. So, okay, I've got something to work from, but this is not going to replace a great social media manager. Right? This is going to be one of those tools, like anything else that helps you build and curate content, you're going to need to work on it. So attention, Key West travelers, nobody would ever say that. That's not, you know, that's not one-on-one communication. That is just some type of blast message. As a hotelier, I'm going to want to tweak the intro copy. I'm going to want to make it more specific to my property. I probably want to take away, you know, some of the things, the, uh, you know, sun, sand and relaxation, uh, in our is a perfect place to call home. Again, that's what everybody says. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the thing is that it becomes very vanilla and formulaic. And I think that's one of the big drawbacks mm. of the current generation of this technology
2: should help you with writer's block, no matter what kind of content you're trying to come up with. It. It'll give you a good idea that you don't copy verbatim.
0: Yep.
1: Right. Yeah. We've been talking internally about, because we do, uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about email campaigns, and, and more recently, um, uh, that also includes SMS messaging. So um, one, of the, one of the things that you see a lot with ChatGPT Chat is it gives you a fairly lengthy response most of the time when you ask for something, because so it can be very wordy. So it's stuffing all this sort of vanilla language in there, uh, as you guys described. So we've been thinking about ways where we might be able to use it just to help us think through subject line testing or maybe helping us generate some ideas for SMS. But um, being concise is key there. So. Um, that's something I think we're going to have to play with a little bit more over time. It'll be interesting to see because we know a couple of the email marketing platforms are already integrating that um, AI capability into the recommendations for conversion um, optimization tips. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over time. But A-B testing subject lines and things like that is something we've been talking about.
0: Uh, Nick, Nick, it's funny that you mentioned that. And I, I completely forgot, but we've been doing that for the last Travel Boom newsletter that went out. You know, I had the subject line I wanted to use. I asked chat to give me alternate versions of that subject line with the content that I was trying to focus on. And it gave me, because a lot of times if you have a subject line in your brain, you're kind of predisposed to say, oh, that's the one I want to use. This gave me a couple of re- words of it. We went in and did an A-B test of... The subject line to a portion of the database before the full send and in, in this case the the ai version did outperform my original version by about 12 percent. so you know kind of having a, a fresh perspective on it is, is good but it was length was very lengthy i had to cut it back you know, so a, another way that i think people can start using chat is actually as a chat bot again that is kind of one of the main things that this system offers is tying this into either your existing website chat system or partnering with a chat provider that does rely on this type of system in the back end. It can create much more organic conversations with your potential guest versus the very limited chat platforms that have now.
2: Well, so you can ask Chat GPT to give you some advice on what your chat bot on your hotel website should be saying, or how would that work right now?
0: Well, so keep in mind that the chat GPT platform is more than just if you were to go to the website and if you went to chat.openai.com, that's how you get to the platform. It's more than that, though. It has an open API that you're seeing more and more platforms tie into. So mm-hmm. a lot of the things I think as marketers, like like Nick mentioned, the integrations with you know some of AI testing in subject lines you don't know that you're using whatever AI platform, be it chat GPT or whatever it might be. It's, in, it's behind the scenes giving you recommendations. And that's the same thing. It may, I'm not saying it integrates with say Olark, but let's say it integrated with, with Olark as your chat system. And then while my agent is offline, the communication with that staff could be, a, that guest should I say, would be a lot more intuitive than your standard. We're not available right now. Please click here to leave a message. Mm-hmm. It could kind of push them down that conversion funnel a little bit farther.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. I actually met with a, a, a company, not Olark, but something like that, um, uh, about two weeks ago. And they were talking about how their system, they're using ChatGPT3 to help power their results. And they're doing... Uh, essentially specializing in home services. So you go to a home service website, you need a specific, you know, you need a plumbing, you have a plumbing need or electrical need or something like that. And there, the chat on the website will help you book that appointment and get that scheduled without. Um, uh, without you having to call and then having to call you back, et cetera. So I'm super excited from a travel perspective. If you've ever used the business messenger or something with with a for the brand, I had to, I had to rebook a flight while I was in flight one time, so I was texting Delta back and forth. Um, and I got it done, but it took thirty minutes. So I can imagine if there wasn't a human on the other side of they could you know if AI was helping to, to, to look for a next open flight because I'm going to miss my connection it would be a much faster process um, for me to, to, to converse with and ultimately get, get it resolved. Um, but since I was messaging with customer support and it was a 30-minute process and, you know, I'm on the plane I'm worried about missing my connection, I'm a, it's a little bit of a tense situation. So I'm super excited about, um, that's a real-world example for me that I think that, you know, I could, I could see an immediate positive impact on, on that type of uh, interaction.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of times you realize, you know, as a, a marketer in a hotelier, you realize how much of what you do is very formulaic. Yeah, you, know, you think, okay, I have to have a human to facilitate this booking for Delta. But the reality is, if Nick goes to Delta, starts a text with a chat, an AI platform, and says, I need a different flight. I have to be able to fly between X time and this time, between this destination and this destination. It's going to be a lot more effective at querying the world of data available to Delta and say, okay, here's these flights that you can choose. Here's the seats that are available. Do you want me to book this? And you say, yes. and they say, Okay, this is going to be X amount additional or decrease, whatever it might be. You can confirm it. It's all going to be per- exactly by the book. You know, So you're not going to have to worry about an agent overstepping their bounds, saying they can do something that they can't. And booking it way
1: faster too. Yeah, you start to think about how booking engines could change to be more conversational, like that. Just in general, um, you can see where now you see in certain um, uh, in certain cases you'll see options to make you know make your dates flexible or things like that. So imagine that your booking engine is telling you in a in a more organic way. Hey, if you adjusted your dates or, you know, would you be okay with, with, um, you know, a suite versus, you know, what you were looking for. So offering some potential, um, modifications to what you're searching for and a little bit more of a real-time conversation away could be super interesting.
0: Very much so. Hmm. Very much so. Oh, here's the other thing too, is I think everybody has to get out of their brain that you interface with chat GPT. And you interface by typing something. like Nick, like you said, if, if I go to the booking widget on my web a website and I put in my arrival and departure dates, that can feed directly to ChatGPT through their API. Or should I say to the booking engine, if the booking engine is connected, it can start pulling that organic data and responding with, hey, I see you're showing up on a, a Thursday. Did you know if you show up on a Wednesday, you actually can qualify for this offer or this deal or whatever it might be? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and I think that's why it's so important that the independent hotelier pay attention to this because you can be sure the Expedia's, the booking.com's, obviously, uh, TripAdvisor, Microsoft clearly has a big interest in this. They're all going to be using this to maximize their ability to drive bookings through their platforms. Mm-hmm. So, Initially, it could be a, somewhat of a, a disadvantage for your independent hoteliers until yeah. booking providers can get caught up for the independence. So just be aware of that, right? You got to put some thought into it.
2: I'm a little bit scared now that you're talking it through. If you were making, like Nick said, that new reservation for your next flight, what's going to stop it from saying, well, you know, there's, an, there's a Hampton Inn right there by where you'll be landing. Do you need a place to stay? It has that kind of organic conversation with you about what you're going to do when you get there and it could make all of your plans for you.
0: Yeah, that's actually pretty scary, right? When you figure if, let's say I'm IHG or whomever it is and I partner with a a platform, that data set now becomes available mm. and it's going to recommend my property versus any other property. Exactly. It, you know, it, and it's it a recommendation. A it's opinion.
2: not that list of search engine results anymore.
0: Right. You have one choice. Do you uh, want to stay at the, at your case, Hampton Inn? It doesn't say, would you like to find hotels nearby? Oh, it's this no.
1: Yeah, that's a super, uh, super interesting way to think about that because it's almost as the promise sounds great, but just like voice search, you know, it's a similar situation. The voice search in general is just going to give you a, a, one basic answer. It doesn't give you options. So, um, and, and I think overall we were all excited about Alexa and, and Siri and things like that. But in the end, they have usefulness, but they don't quite give us the, the power like a Google search would, right? Of Like I've got options and there's different paths I might want to take. You know, so, um, yeah, it's a good point that at least in the short term, uh, if you can get data, you get your data there first, you might be the recommended option in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that.
0: The, the fact that it is not a list of a lot of options is going to lead a lot of people astray. I know when, you know, one of the things we were testing was we wanted it to write in a course, a golf course description. We're just playing around with a client saying, hey, let, let's give you an example of it. You know, here's this golf course in Myrtle Beach. Please write a description for it. And it wrote a very good description. It said, uh, in this case it was Colonial Charters, a little golf course in Myrtle Beach. It said Colonial Charters is a beautiful golf course in Myrtle Beach, designed by Dan Maples. It's this many yards, it goes here and here. It's won these awards. It was a good description until you realize it was completely wrong. It wasn't designed by Dan <laughs> Maples. It wasn't, you know, the the awards were not accurate. So that's where the problem comes in. Because if I did a Google search and everything told me the proper designer, and this one said, this course was designed by Dan Maples, I'm likely to throw away that bad information and use the good one. But if all I have is this one piece of data, then that's what I'm going to start using.
2: And is that how you explain what they're calling the hallucinations that, that Chat GPT is likely to have, where it's made something up and stated it to you as fact?
0: Hey, explain that to me. I really haven't done
2: There's a lot know. of times, like what you said, it gave you a factual, this is a fact. This is what I could do for you, Pete. And it was all a lie. They call yeah. that hallucinations of Chat GPT. But how is it coming up with information that doesn't exist?
0: Well, I think that's the, that's the nature of AI is you build it, but you don't necessarily see each and every decision that it makes. Uh huh. But yes, that's a, that's a definitely a scary one. So I think you have to be, be careful as, as you're using it because the, the data may not completely be, be accurate. I, I love the idea of the, you know, booking engine integration and the, you know, the more nuanced responses and respo- results of your, your search. Uh, but there's a lot of other things too. So, you know, one thing that we're seeing from, you know, from a hoteler perspective as well is what are the ramifications for revenue management? Because this has access to so much data when it is connected to the web, how will that impact our revenue management tools to figure out what we want to charge for a room for any given day of the year based on real-time events and inventory?
2: Hmm. I mean, right now hotels pay a lot of money for that type of intelligence, but you're saying that this, that chat GPT would just be able to get access to all of that information and perhaps dynamically change your rates. If it saw that your neighbor just did.
0: Yeah, you know, no, not necessarily. I, I think it's a, a tool that a revenue manager could use.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How far along that goes, that's going to be more of a chat GPT four type discussion or, you know, how you're using your, or do your revenue management tools integrate with some type of AI platform? Mm-hmm. It, it very well may in the future. And I think the ones that do are going to have a real defined advantage over the person who's using a, a legacy or an old school Excel sheet to figure out what they want to charge for properties. Oddly Why enough, there are still need properties. a real
2: revenue. Why would you need a revenue manager once you have confidence that it can make the, the right decisions with the information that it gets instantaneously?
0: It's it's a good question, right? I don't know. I, I would think the fact that Kalino Charters was not designed by Dan Maples would be the reason. Is uh-huh. You do need to make sure you're only getting the information out that is in the system. So if it starts becoming a, a feedback loop where it notices that rates are rising because rates are rising. It, I mean, that happens, you know, many times from a stock market perspective where AI starts driving up a bid because AI is driving up a bid and it wants to constantly do that. So there are going to be things where there are going to need to be good human checks and balances in place. So like I said, it's a great tool, but it's a tool that can really hurt you too. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good reminder, too, of what it is today, that chat interface is out there just so the system could, they could throw it out to the world and have us really kick the tires and test it. The intelligence they're drawing just from us playing with chat GPD, it's a big part of what's happening with with the evolution of their tools. So it is a beta, so they could gather information that's also fun for us to play with and, and dream about, but um just, you know, that's just, just a re- that's a great point of reminder of what it is today and why they released it. And so we could, we could, uh, you know, test it a little bit. And you see people, you know, you can see that people have asked the questions that's given back some non factual, even controversial results in some cases. Um, but it's already learned from that. And the results you see today asking the same types of queries, um, you'll see that they'll flag it as like, that's an ethical uh, concern or, you know, there'll be messaging like that. That wasn't necessarily there in November when it came out that they're, they're training it.
2: It um, also kind of looks like it's indexing because every time you ask a question, it puts its own little description, a few words describing what this chat is about. Have you noticed
0: that? Yeah. So, uh, within the, the admin, you can have multiple chats going on at the same time and you can Mm -hmm. delete them. You can edit them, uh, but yeah typically it's just the the first part of the initial chat that you make before you start a new chat okay. and, and if for everyone listening if you haven't had a chance to play with it yet go to AI, openai.com at the very top is a little link for try it you click that i think you just use your your google account to log in and you're able to play around with it and kind of see all right with that being said i think there's a couple of things that yeah when there's a lot of things that hoteliers can do, and this is just scratching the surface, but you know, on property communications concierge services, I mean, those are all going to be great things that can incorporate some type of chat GPT system, but there are a lot of things that we need to watch out for. So we're going to kind of shift gears and talk about, we talked about the good potentially. We're going to talk about the bad a little bit. Uh, the first one being the example of the golf course where the, the data is just flat out wrong. You have, you have to be careful. Uh, I asked for an example. I'm going to pop it open right here. Uh, I asked for examples of breweries in New York. And it is insisting that I check out, where is it now? Uh, basically, it's a, a metro. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's Interboro Rapid Transit Company, which is not a brewery. Mm-mm. But, you know, if if I completely fell in, it would have me going to, you know, third Ave in Brooklyn for a beer. And it's just the, (laughs) it's a, a transit company. It's nothing to do with that. They may have a keg hopefully, but you know, it is absolutely not a place to go get a beer. So you have to be careful. I mean, it's the data is not accurate. You need to check it again. And that's why I say, be very careful if you're trying to use this for content is because chat GPT may have given you wrong information. That's Mm -hmm. no excuse for you to give your guests wrong information. So you have to be careful, for sure, about that. Uh, what are some other things that we should be careful with regarding chat? General quality, I
1: think, is is in outside of being factual or, impactful or um, uh General quality, I think, is something to be to 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 be careful about. Even even like uh, any any sacrifice in quality, especially if you're doing content generation, um, is just something to to always be be. Uh, aware of and careful about you don't want to I think Leanne said it earlier you don't want you know, your output to be so vanilla
0: mm-hmm.
2: should yeah. we be I'm right. sorry you, should we be worried that Google issued a code red I didn't even know that Google issued code reds when I read that I thought that was just like somebody describing what's going on at Google but they literally issued a code red over chat GPT because it doesn't belong to them
0: so what, what does that mean, I guess?
2: They, you know, I wasn't sure, but it's an actual code that they have thrown up at Google and it happened about the same time that a lot of people got laid off. They think it has something to do with that. But that it's uh, like an all points bulletin that this is a huge threat to our business model and we have to do something about it right away.
0: I believe that. I definitely would. I mean, I think it's Bing having invested billions of dollars into this Bing has already said that they are going to be using this technology, which I didn't know this about Bing because I'm not one of the 1.2% of the people who who use it, but they already have a chat system on there that lets you interface with search. They're going Mm -hmm. to be integrating that here. So it does lead to say if Bing over time can get better search results, people are going to follow those better search results. So mm-hmm. I, I think that makes sense. But then you know, the, the big part of Google's business also is their Office products. You, know, you got Google Docs, you got Google Sheets and whatnot. Again, Microsoft owns part of OpenAI. They have already said that they're looking at ways to incorporate the responses into both Outlook, to Office and everywhere else. So you, if you need help composing an email, you are going to be much farther along than if you're using Google's auto-suggest content.
1: Just to, just showing our aids a little bit, I heard someone joking about, uh, you know, th- this could actually make Clippy in the Microsoft Word super helpful all of a sudden. <laughs>
0: so you never, <laughs> you never know how, yeah. how it's gonna end up. It looks like you're trying to take over the world. Can I help with that? that thing? That's part of the
2: problem. I think the more that people use it, the more they realize they can do things that we don't have laws about yet.
0: Yeah, it's, it's something to watch out for. So, you know, Search Engine Journal had a really good article that came out. Uh, what was the date on this? Uh, da, 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 da. They don't have a date on their articles. Bad bad job, Search Engine Journal. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, they do. January 31st. I take it all back. But they, they really good, do a good job of talking about where, where the disadvantages of chat GPT are. And a lot of it, Nick, kind of goes to what you said about it being very wordy. You know, it's, it doesn't give you a, a short answer. It gives you this very long answer and it talks in a very non-human, very sterile way. So, you know, when I have a conversation, I'm going to say, um, a few times, I'm going to use, you know, different phrases that are, you know, colloquial to my, my area, but you know, chat GPT is very, very formulaic broken down to a very specific structure, which one makes it easy to identify in some set cases that it's AI generated, but it also takes away that human element where when you're reading it, you kind of get the feeling that, Hey, this isn't really written by a person. Yeah. They say it
2: doesn't understand yet. Yeah, that- uh, literal when we're, when we're, being literal versus figurative. It can't, it hasn't solved that problem yet.
1: Yeah. And we, and we, and we know as marketers too our brand, Voice, uh, brand guidelines, th- you know, things like that are su- really um, always top of mind. So when we're talking to our you – know, when you're talking to your customers and, and visitors and things like that, we,
0: you, know, you want to make sure that it's always
1: um, a part of all of our messaging, um, that it's you know, on brand.
0: And the way I see it is it's a, it's a great platform to get you past that blank sheet to get something on paper and start a thought process, but I think that's where it ends. I think it's going to compress that that brainstorming portion of content development, but from that point on, it really does need a human touch with with at least the current generation. And so, and also, I think that you know it it can be identified. Uh, there's there's a couple tools out there that you know, are able to index and determine if something is likely written by AI. Something that I think, obviously, professors, you know, copywriters are going to be concerned about. uh, And and there's a lot of places where that could become an issue. The one interesting thing, because I think probably a lot of people are going to go into this, is, so I've written this article, what's going to happen from a search perspective? You know, what is is Google going to say about, all of a sudden, I have this, you know, 5,000-word article that... Is very atypical for my site. Nick, do you have any insights on that?
1: Well, I think it's
0: constantly evolving. I, I don't. I don't know that I have a great
1: insight on that. You know, at the moment, um, it's just interesting to see how how um, the detection game is like popping up big time right now. Um, so, and the tools that people are using, and the tricks that people are doing to combat it, and, and to completely eliminate the ability for someone you know, like in an in a education context, um, how some people are going to pl- completely can change the way they test um, to, you know, basically make it offline.
2: But aren't even the detection tools going to be something that's artificial intelligence or at least pre-programmed so they could be beat with the next iteration of chat GPT?
0: Sure. Yeah, most definitely. So, I mean, I think There's actually a uh, uh, search, uh, I'm sorry. It's uh, the SEO round table, search engine round table has a pretty interesting article that came out. uh, This came back out in November. You know, so it's it's a while, but where they specifically were talking with uh, Danny Sullivan regarding what this means. And granted, this is coming to us from November. So a lot of stuff has changed, but it comes down to quality content. If you are, in his words, It doesn't matter if it is 10,000 people writing 10,000 crappy articles, or if it's AI writing 10,000 crappy articles, you still have the same thing. You're giving a poor experience to the searchers and you're giving a poor experience to the search engines. So you really want to make sure that if you're using this, it's adding value to your content. It's adding value to the people who read your content and you're going through it, making sure that it's not spammy. You know, if, if you're posting spammy content and it's not helpful, it's going to get dinged, no matter how it's produced.
1: Yeah, I think our recommendation on 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 how you tackle that is and, and how you uh, how careful you are with that is you know going to evolve. I think we are though. Um, I think I was sharing with Pete earlier this week. We have we are seeing evidence of people saying that they're seeing ranking changes because of um, or at least on sites that are doing a lot of generative you know, using a lot of generated content. So we don't know exactly what that is. And like I said, I don't have any great insights to it, but there are people talking about, you know, actual evidence that they're seeing um, of uh, the search engines already putting rules in place to, to change rankings. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is new. So this came out basically in December. Search takes a takes time. It's not overnight. So the changes that we're seeing now are things that were put in place. You know, it could have been a month or two ago, you know, we're starting to only now see. So I think you'd be real careful to just say, Oh, look, I solved my content generation problem, generate 10 pieces of content, dump them on your website and say, I'm done. I think Mm -hmm. you're, you will get burned that way.
2: I'm reading a lot from especially the major brands, how they see that this is going to change their industry for the better, um, You know, help them make a lot of money probably because they see it as eliminating a lot of positions and automating a lot more processes. But my big takeaway for hoteliers is um, keep doing the physical in-person things that you can do right. If you work at the hotel level, learn how to do every job so that if your job is taken over by the robots, still have another job there but it'll be more (laughs) important than ever to actually maintain great (laughs) human
0: interactions that is i mean as hoteliers we're face to face Mm -hmm. yeah so i think there's kind of one thing that i think that we should kind of watch out for and leanne you brought this up but lawsuits copyrights artists lawsuits and all kinds of fun stuff
2: they're already happening so uh you you mentioned the dolly tool that Creates art, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's created based on you, the human, asking it to do something for you. It's the it's the machine, so it's like a human machine amalgam of art. And the Library of Congress has decided to to issue um, trademarks on some of this. And the way that they're determining if they can issue it or not is is it solely human or is it partially human? If you're just partially human, um, it may still give you the trademark if they can somehow prove that it was all machine it won't give you the trademark right now i can't even understand how they're going to figure this out when we're we just had the conversation on how do you determine if it was human or
0: ai what role does me saying you know i want a picture of a camel in the style of andy warhol
2: and then it becomes andy warhol's trademark
0: see that's that's the thing I yeah. think that people are starting to wrestle with now and it it's it, they're going to have to figure this stuff out. We're going to have to wait and see.
2: I'm, I'm really, they? I've heard some people say that our constitution will have to be rewritten. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, some amendments are coming.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, that's that funny. is funny. But yes, in terms of content ger- generation, we're talking a lot about copy here, right, with ChatGPT, but you're right. same tools that power the same technology that powers that powers these image things so if you're doing you know some easy con image generation um using these tools for social or for to accompany a blog post on your site i think you know just be careful with the in style of um type searches or, or, or generation uh queries that you're asking because we don't know where, what's happening there. We just do know that the litigation is, is, is started and, and it's in all the big newspapers and things like that. You can read a lot about it. So um, it's just something to be to be cautious about.
2: Oh, yeah. It's going to be hugely litigated until AI works lawyers out of their jobs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you that there will be an no attorney <laughs> filing suit to prevent that from happening. So, so, so what's next with, with ChatGPT? We're we're at the very, we're at the cusp of something incredible for good or bad. So what what do we know about what's, what's happening next?
2: I know that the, the first week in? that it rolled out, more people downloaded, the, if you want to call it software, more people got it in the first week than anything that's ever been rolled out in humankind ever. Yeah. Nobody jumped on Netflix that quick.
0: You know, it, it's, it's definitely getting adopted fast. People, people know mm-hmm. about it more and more people know about it. And what they know about is the version that's actually going to be going away soon. So the new version or chat GPT four is supposed to be coming out this year. At some point, I hear like mid 2023 and to put in perspective, the the system uses what I call parameters. So chat GPT three runs on 1.75 billion parameters to come up with the data. And if you think about a parameter, as being one of the neural connections in your brain. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it that way it's a it's a brain that has 1.75 billion parameters. That's a small fraction of what the human brain has. Chat GPT 4 is going to have 100 trillion parameters.
2: I can't do the math that, how many brains is that?
0: That is one brain. No, I
2: mean if we were to add up human brains to get that much. You would you'll be one. <laughs> One. So really?
0: the the average the average human brain has about 100 trillion neural connections between all the gooey stuff that's up in your. Wow. Your stuff. So still only so, as smart as one person. Well, as smart as one whole person, and <laughs> that that's a pretty big deal. So you have one AI that is as smart as one person.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What what comes out of that in terms of natural human responses, communication? And and everything else. I think it's uh I, I'm saying it's Skynet. I'm gonna go ahead and say it that we just need to make sure this thing's not connected to the internet because I know what happens.
2: I'm thinking about the chips that Elon Musk wants to put in our brains and how it could get connected to all of this.
0: Yeah. It it, it can get real freaky. So I, I would say everyone that's listening to dig into it a little bit and see where it's going next because what what's happening now is one of the few times in you know, my professional life where you just have your jaw drop at the screen when you mm-hmm. see what it was first able to do. When four rolls out, it's going to be, you know, a hundred times more powerful. It's going to shake up a whole bunch of stuff. So
2: yeah, we've talked about art and written content that you could ask it to do in the form of someone else. What about when it gets smart enough that it can communicate with you in whatever form you want to
0: like, expand on that, I guess.
2: Like, uh, well, I mean, Southern colloquialisms. I could have an entire conversation right now that no one else in the room would understand because they don't speak Southern.
0: But what, what happens <laughs> with ChatGPT does? <laughs> so, yeah, the, I, I have it open right now. I say, like, tell me uh, how to make this food if I was in the style of Paula Dean.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: That's pretty fun. Well, it's so just it's, add it's, mayonnaise or lots of sour cream, right? That's the answer. Yes, add
2: mayonnaise is the answer. How do you
0: fix you things with a the Duct tape.
1: Yeah, I love it. So uh,
0: it, it, It's scary stuff.
1: So, it is, but it's also super... I'm I'm optimistic because uh, I'm also optimistic about self-driving cars, even though we're not as close as maybe we thought we were and or flying cars for that matter. But I am optimistic because I do think that uh, Ultimately, it's going to be convenience, and especially in the travel um, space, I think that we'll be able to get help and book things um, in a more flexible way. And I think the systems that we're interfacing with are that to help us, um, you know, book travel and enjoy adventure or in activities and things like that, it's just going to get way smarter. And I think, um, you know, when you think about what these super smart dynamic systems can bring in terms of personalization and understanding all the context around, you know, your that process. Um, I, I'm very excited about it.
2: Mm-hmm. If I was an OTA, which I'm glad I'm not, I would be coming up with a way to use this technology to have someone tell me their budget and what they like and I could present them with a dozen different wonderful ideas for their entire trip. You got fifteen hundred dollars, five days, and you want to go to the beach?
0: Here's twenty ideas. I and love it. That's click this one button to book it. I tell you what, that's I mean, that's a real use case scenario for sure. Yeah. So. Well, I thought that those are actually pretty good closing comments. Do you guys have anything else that you want to share about Chat GPT before we kind of work on wrapping up the show?
2: I just want to thank Nick because he's making me feel better about it now. I was thinking about how hard it would be if you had kids to navigate all of this, but being able to come up with nighttime stories, like a bedtime story that you and your kid could together give some ideas, chat GPT, it writes you this creative uh, off the wall story that can actually help children in their creativity and imagination. So I like that you've already used it for good and not evil.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and my kids really love it. And I won't be publishing any of that just for, you know, for and books, yeah, for copyright infringement.
0: That's so funny. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I I'm excited about it as well. I I don't know where it's going to take us, but I can promise you one thing: putting your head in the sand and not paying attention is not the right answer. Mm-mm. I don't know what the right answer is, but I do know what that's that's not the right one. So I think we, we follow it closely. We adapt and we all start thinking about how we could use this technology to improve our hotel marketing in our communications and relationships with our guests. That's, even though we don't get to the right answer today, we're setting ourselves on the right course and we can keep correcting course as we move forward and this technology changes because I, I think the, the relationship to the Gutenberg press is, is Accurate. I think it, mm-hmm. we're, this is going to change a whole bunch and I'd much rather be the guy sitting there with Gutenberg while we build it versus the one who's trying to pretend it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. All right. With that being said, I think we'll wrap up the show. Nick, thank you so much for, for taking the time out today. If people want to find more about you, the brand agency or anything else, what, what can they do?
1: Uh, they can visit our website, the or they can find me, um, on LinkedIn, pretty easily, or uh, on Twitter at McNeil, at my last name, M C N E I L L. Nice. You got that pretty early, I guess. I did. Your twi- Your I just twi- happened to be at
0: South by Southwest at the, at the right time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's impressive. So, nice. Well, Leanne, how can people connect with you? Well, if you go to
2: the Travel Boom Marketing website and you choose any kind of, of contact us button, it's going to come to me but you can also find me on LinkedIn and it's as simple as finding contact Leanne. I'm the only one there.
0: Awesome. You can find me at, uh, you know, either LinkedIn at Pete DeMaio P E T E D I M A I O. You can find us collectively at travelboommarketing.com. And if you want the show notes to today with a lot of resources that we did not talk about, there's a a laundry list of great articles that will help understand chat GPT as well as video Go ahead and go to TravelBoomMarketing.com slash podcast. Click on episode 232, and that's going to have everything you need to get up to speed so you can share chat GPT with everybody else. But with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. It was a longer episode, and hopefully you got a lot out of it. And that's going to pretty much wrap us up. But don't worry, though. We'll be back next week with more tips and tricks to make your hotel marketing more effective. Have a wonderful day, and Travel Boom is out we